the, the head and hands as you're starting it says it also are you okay there <laughs> really tired <laughs> <laughs> yep the um yeah it's been it's been a long few episodes that's the energy we want into this episode yeah let's <laughs> go so, so yeah. I, I had that uh chela luna song stuck in my head all the way through that intro so i was just like bopping along to it let's go i think, I think you should sing it but... no that's not happening okay, um i'll get everybody hyped Anyway, welcome to the Catch Them Out podcast and the last recording of the European Dodgeball Championships 2023 um, that we'll be doing, whichever order you are watching this in. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the episodes. I hope you will enjoy the episodes. Um, joined here by Zoe and Colin. Um, we definitely all know what we're talking about when it comes to uh, European Dodgeball. Definitely the experts in it. That's Nick, rather. <laughs> yeah. You're introducing us to not saying who you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the who editor. Who do you <laughs> think you are? I'm the dodgeball collector. <laughs> um... <laughs> Copyright infringement. <laughs> On who? <laughs> the kick collector. <laughs> Aldo, please don't sue me. Um... <laughs> Look, like, like the Scotland one's got he's like gonna five wait, He's going to wait and hear your okay? opinions first, minute. <laughs> You got you got Scotland and GCG. There, there it is. There it is. Uh, there. Yeah, you don't, don't know. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So we're on good terms. We're on good terms. Um, but yes, uh, welcome to the final one. We are discussing mixed, the mixed competition. Um, or if you are from outside of the UK, I think in Canada and America, some people call it co-ed. Um, so if you are an international listener trying to understand what goes on at European Championships before Worlds next year. Um, this is your chance to find out about what happened uh, in Osijek in Croatia. But let's uh, let's get straight into it. The mixed pools. So for our audio listeners, um, in Pool A we had Croatia winning all their games and topping the group. Italy in se- second, um, winning three of their games. Ireland third, Switzerland fourth, and Serbia finishing last. Uh, in Pool B, Northern Ireland finishing top uh, with an impressive 110 set difference. Um, Spain finishing second, Sweden third, Netherlands fourth and Norway fifth. In Pool C, we have England topping the group out and then a three-way tie again. Pool C loves a three-way tie, doesn't it? Um, Czechia fi- uh, finishing out on top in that uh, three-way tie um, in second place with France third and Belgium fourth. Um, and then in Pool D... Um, Austria topped it, uh, Scotland second, Hungary third, and Wales fourth. And that's uh, actually incorrect. My graphic is incorrect. So that's fantastic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will carry on. We'll talk over it. I've got it in the background. We can talk over it. It's fine. Um, England still came top. Czechia did come second. France came third. And Belgium came fourth. Um, However... Uh, Czechia um, win two games, France won one, and Belgium didn't win any games. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that's the same numbers as from the women's. So I just didn't. And that's that. that's how Pool C ended up uh, being the same across it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how it. So Pool C isn't a load of three-way ties. Anyway, um, so yeah, quick uh, addendum there. So yeah, um, Pool A. Um, I mean, out, out the gates, I think we've got to give credit to Croatia, like, straight oh, away. Croatia. Like, damn! Um, that was a really impressive group 
that they pulled uh, pulled off there to finish top against some very experienced sides in mixed. I was gonna say they really succeeded in breaking both mine and Colm's hearts. <laughs> like one of us was bound to be happy if at least I was. <laughs> you know, Croatia had to go and win the whole pool, and that means Italy comes second. I'm the oh, least yeah. heartbroken out of us too. <laughs> yeah, we'll get onto that in a bit. <laughs> no, um, yeah, what I, from what I've seen, they played very well. I was very—I'll be honest—I was very shocked um, at how at how well they played. Um, as as we said before, the Italians usually are a very um, solid group. Might have taken the hit by having two separate squads um, going into this. Um, I I don't really know in hindsight if mixing it up would have improved the results any better. Um, still done well to come second in the group, though, with a very healthy um, score difference as well, um, even higher than Croatia's. Um, but yeah, there were definitely the, the best two teams in that group, and I think it was a fair reflection in the end, the, the order. Yeah, apparently all uh, my numbers are completely wrong here. Like, because Tornify says it's completely different, so I don't actually know what happened yeah, there. So just, just ignore Nick. Yeah, um, just thanks. just ignore the graphic. If you're watching this, we um, do that anyway. yeah, just uh, go listen to this one on Spotify. It'd be much better for you. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, Italy not entering a sort of as it were their like best mixed team makes sense for them, seeing as they don't really play mixed that much in Italy um, and we knew that going into the competition that Italy was going to do that we knew that Switzerland was also going to do that so it's somewhat surprising to see like Croatia just storm into the front at the same time out of all of the groups I think it's the one that was the most likely to have something like that happen because it it's not the strongest teams possible from some of those nations and those nations are the ones that are have the higher seedings as it were so it's and then you've got Serbia that are also wild cards. So maybe Serbia could have shown up with with some surprising um, outcomes as well, but just didn't. Um, but yeah, it's it's fair place Croatia. Like it's it's an impressive thing to capitalize on to the extent that they did. Um, and they yeah they played some very good matches. I mean they, it wasn't even close. Like Croatia beat Switzerland twenty four six. They beat Ireland eighteen fourteen, which was a much closer match. I'd imagine that probably came down to the last set or so. Um, but you know that's that's not them like just managing to get by by a single set one in the last minute um in all of their matches they they did actually fully impose themselves in in a lot of these matches and um fair play to them it, it wasn't what was expected but that's because you don't really know what to expect um in these kinds of matchups but um you know if, if it's a team that hasn't really played that much before like croatia then then they can really show up with anything and that's what they did they put their best foot forward they put their best players in that team and um it paid off as a gamble for them I think it was a really good team, like really impressive. Like definitely pulled the best players from their men's and women's, and um, showed yeah, like showed some real real talent there. It was it was very impressive considering how they did in the previous the previous Euros. It's one of the things I really like. I think it's one of the things I really like about mixed um, as a format, especially in in international settings, is that for you know for for a developing nation it's quite frequent that you end up with a situation that um has like two or three really good players in their men's squad and two or three really good players in their women's squad like you see that time and time again um and the great thing about mix is that then you get to have six very good players on court because you've got the best players from one side and the best players from the other and so you end up it feels as if like 
developing like nations that are developing their dodgeball side can like join into the pack much quicker in mix than they do in other forms they can't necessarily you know peak out of the pack in the same way that croatia's done here like that's that's pretty impressive from them but um they can definitely like hold their own in a way that that sometimes it takes a few more years to see in the men's and women's sides so i wouldn't be surprised if croatia you know in a few years time their men's and women's might might do uh particularly impressively as well but it's not surprising that that mix is the form that they happen to do best for considering they've got just a couple star players in each side that that then come together to make a particularly impressive mix side. Yeah, no, it's not not surprising, but yeah, I think what surprised me was just how how well they formed. Like yeah. it's Italy definitely brought through like a development squad with a lot of new players coming through. Some very talented players. Um, mm. I think like they yeah them their men's and women's future is looking very bright but there was definitely some i guess yeah some team bonding issues in the, in the sense that there was some decision making that was a bit questionable at times a lot of solo play um that definitely hindered them and i think that's what really stood out about how croatia played is that jump jumping up that high from where they were before is ridiculous like i cannot be understated how ridiculous that is that, that that jump that they made because that's not just getting better with individuals getting very very talented it's individuals and the team playing really well and knowing how to play well and yeah yeah just it was like we need to like you know sing their praises while we can um because yeah it's fully deserved fully fully deserved and kind of using zoe's point during the preview um, episode i was talking about how ireland have the players to put together a really strong mixed team and at times that really showed and i think especially the wing play um i thought um uh, meg and dave cardoso on the left wing especially both had blinders um in a lot of big sets in those games and i thought the experience really showed in that squad of how to adapt your game to the situation you're in. And that's how they clawed through the, the game against Switzerland. Because I think that was one set. Um, and we only got beat by Croatia by two sets. And I think the Italy game, yeah, another one set, a one set loss for Ireland. Like this could have been a completely different group stage for Ireland, um, potentially finishing top of the group with one or two sets going their way, you know, like, the the the, the, proof, the proof of what I was talking about and that if you put your best most experienced players together in a squad and have them tactically sound, it can go far. Like this is what this is the that was the kind of Ireland that I was expecting and hoping to turn up. They just got very unlucky, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it was a much better Ireland like than the other teams there, the men's and the women's. They it was a much more cohesive unit throughout oh 100%, 100% the experience really really showed and I think the game management and the the substitutions were a lot smarter um compared to some of the ones that were made in the men and women's as well Um they really they really tried to adapt the game in their favor which they have the potential to do and it's why it's why I was really hoping that Ireland would focus mostly on mixed um, in terms of their the player selection um, because I think that's where they're going to thrive. As Zoe said, you know, if you have three or four good quality experienced players for the men and three or four for the women, like, and if you can have them 
being this cohesive unit, which a lot of them will have played together for a lot of years, like Dave and Meg um, and Garv in particular have been around for a number of years. Um, and, it, and it really showed whenever they were working side by side. And if you can have a few more players coming through in the next couple of years, because um, there, there's talented individuals in both the men and women's squad in Ireland. It's just about making it a cohesive unit and playing a very solid tactical game. That that's was that's the big thing that's missing right now is is uh, is working on that um, several like styles of play now. But I'm I'm very excited to see how they're doing in the the future tournaments coming up in the next few months. For sure, yeah. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna beat Switzerland, so Zoe was unhappy, and that made me happy. <laughs> To be clear, she didn't play in that team. You know. <laughs> still her team and she still lost. <laughs> Fair. Love you. He didn't play for Ireland either, did he? <laughs> what? It's <laughs> <laughs> first what? time, first. <laughs> wow. Um... <laughs> if it was the other way about, I wouldn't hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. Pull, pull B, pull B. Um... So Northern Ireland at the top. Okay, it wasn't 110. It was a hundred. Just say, I don't know where you got that figure from. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know where any of like half these numbers have come from. Like everything is not just wrong, but incredibly wrong. Um, yeah. The only thing that is right is the positionings. Um, so all the positionings are correct. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Northern Ireland at the top. They they had a set difference of 74. Spain. Second set difference six, Sweden third set difference twenty four, Netherlands minus six, and Norway minus ninety eight. But yeah, um, I mean, like the set difference doesn't matter that much. No, the, yeah, just just and that's what you got right. So yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Northern it's, Ireland it's doing Northern Island things. Northern Ireland doing Northern Island things. Spain so really aren't strong, um, and not what we expected in a group with Sweden and Netherlands. I think the Netherlands we would have expected to do a lot better than that. Sweden we would have absolutely expected to do a lot better than that. Um, but Spain did what we just said Croatia did, where you just put your best players in your your mixed squad and you you put everything into the Spanish into the, the mixed team, and it just makes a big difference. Um, like there were there were certain players that were just standout players that you would have expected to see potentially even both in men's and mixed. Um, and then they just didn't. They were just in mixed. I think that's a really bold decision. It's it's one thing to like play that style of dodgeball where you have your best players playing in your men's and your mix. And so you don't have like a development mix squad. You've just got everyone playing a lot of game time. It's a very bold decision to take your best players and not have them play in the men's category or the women's category at all. Um, and it definitely paid off for Spain. Um, and you could tell Absolutely. how much it meant to them. I think that was the thing that always stood out to me watching the Spanish matches was just the way that they celebrated every single one of their games. Even when they lost, they were still like celebrating the fact that they didn't do as badly as they thought they would. And like that every time they celebrated, they just had their whole heart in that mixed squad. Um, it was really, really cool to watch. Um, yeah, beat beat the Netherlands 17-13. And then where's the other one? Spain the, the speaker was hella annoying, not going to lie. I did tell them to stop it several times, but I'm not going to shout out every single nation that I told to other, shut. <laughs> other, other than that, the uh, yeah, like it was great seeing them support everyone. But yeah, their their mix was yeah, they're fantastic. And then yeah, eighteen fourteen against Sweden as well. So they they beat uh, the Netherlands and Sweden by two sets. 
um, in both their games. Um, so it's just really good to see. It's just um, it's not what we would have projected, and it's 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 a gamble that paid off for Spain. Um, and it's not as if Sweden had like a particularly weak team. It's not as if the Netherlands had a particularly weak team. Um, this is just Spain having the strongest team they possibly could have in their mix. Um, and just I, I part of me wonders if they looked at the the way that the pools have been drawn and saw an opportunity and just fully pushed into that opportunity because this this was definitely their chance to to do some damage and, and it felt like they took that chance with both hands. It's massive from them. Maybe, but like even if they got put in pool A, like that would have been a massive opportunity. Like, that would have been incredible. Yeah. Like they they Sweden and Netherlands are some, you know, especially the Swedish yeah. mixed team, a solid team. Like yeah. really, really good. Very. To again, like, you know, singing Croatia's praises, sing Spain's praises for a second. Two years ago, they only had a well, two years ago, two Euros ago, they only had a mixed team. And they were still learning what a calling system was. Um to to then come away and and come second in the group and beat like established teams like Sweden Netherlands ridiculous like yeah. the absolute buy in from the spanish team and the federation to be like okay not only are we going to learn how to play dodgeball we're going to learn how to be really good at it um hell yeah i absolutely here for it absolutely love it um and yeah just to see them get really hyped for it and you know all the support they had the you know by all their players, like their the ball retrievers were players from the mixed and men's uh, so for mixed were like the men's and women's players and, and vice versa for, for women's and um yeah, like massive shout out to their their president who uh it was their birthday while there was there as well. So um, you know, really fantastic for, for, for them as well. So it was really great. A really great Euros all around from uh, for them from what I understand. Um and shame, shame! Iceman couldn't be there for the end for uh, to receive his award because he was uh, too busy with other stuff in other countries, being busy sport sporting elsewhere. I believe is what I understand. But yeah, um, yeah, re- really impressive stuff from Spain. Again, something that can't be uh, can't be can't be underappreciated. Pool C. Pool C. Um, England topping it. Not really a surprise for anyone, I don't think. Um, I was a little surprised to see Czechia go above France until I realised that France had also put out a development squad, and I was not that surprised. Euro's development squads are mixed this time around. It's an interesting thing that that's kind of become more normal. Um, yeah, yeah. Ireland, Ireland will be doing it for a long time whenever I made my debut in Glasgow. Yeah. I guess yeah. it's something that, like, when we haven't had a regional competition in a while... Uh, yeah, yeah, they have to do it at some point, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, well done to Czechia for for beating France. Do we remember where they came in the the tables, Czechia? Uh, wait, was it um, <laughs> fifth. was it was it fifth? <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been fifth. It might might well. Have been I love fifth. Nick. Nick was genuinely trying to remember there. <laughs> oh, you, you you think I was genuinely trying to remember? Yeah, sure. <laughs> How many times have I brought up the fact that Czechia finished fifth in the previous six podcasts? Um, <laughs> Zoe's, Zoe's brought it up! <laughs> no! Not always. Anyway, moving on. Someone do a counter. England, England popping the group, not surprising. Czechia coming second, not surprising. France coming third, not surprising. And Belgium coming fourth, not surprising. 
Well done, guys. Great, great summary. Yeah, I think this might actually be one that we. Well, no, I don't think we did predict it correctly because I think we predicted France. But um, yeah, I, I think it's the. I hate to say this because it's quite a like harsh criticism to give on any group. But if you had to say one group in Euros was the most boring, next pool C is probably the most boring. There are no close matches really here. The closest match you get point difference wise is England versus Czechia, which is a 2012 scoreline. And that's the closest. So it's it's not wow, wow. a particularly close group um, at the end of the day. It's, it sort of seems as if everybody got the result that they should have got. It's not surprising. Nothing, no upsets happened here. I think there were more interesting games that happened than when you know you split off the top two into the quarterfinals and the bottom two go off into their positionals. That creates a lot more interesting games. Um, but this is kind of like, this is a group stage that sort of felt like, um, I don't know, one from a previous edition of Euros where there wasn't as much chaotic stuff happening and, and actually things just happened the way you'd expect them to. Um, so fair play to everyone for getting the results they deserved, but it's quite hard to say anything about it, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's not, much to, yeah, not much to go into. So on to Paul D then. Um... <laughs> Austria, Austria topping group. It's like when we cover men's Super League. <laughs> we're all knackered and we're like, well, there's nothing to say there. Moving on. Oh, yeah, men's Super League. Fantastic. Looking forward to that one. Um, yeah, I always talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you, and only you. Um, <laughs> um, <The> group D. <laughs> yeah, Group D. Um, so this one, I will just correct some things. So Austria came top and then it was a three-way tie between Scotland, Hungary and Wales. Um, with Scotland winning out um, on that one. So uh, Austria came top, Scotland second, Hungary third, and Wales fourth. I think the order it went is Hungary beat Wales, Wales beat Scotland, Scotland beat Hungary. Um, Again, Wales just really don't like playing Hungary, it seems. (laughs) Um, Hungary played really well. I I can't lie in that mixed game. It was a very spicy game, having been there. It was, I think... It only took to the second set for the referees to call everyone in, not just like a few players and captains, literally the entire bench and all players that were playing, all coaches, everything in a big huddle and say, cut it out. Let's play. Let's play a game. Stop pointing. Let's stop arguing. Let's go on with the game, Um, which, you know, fair play to the ref for actually taking control of that because... Uh, that is a game that, given... That could have spiralled out of control, absolutely. Yeah, that could very much have spiralled out of control. So, um, as much as referees do get, um, you know, shots fired at them occasionally, I, like, need need to give credit for uh, how well they managed that situation um, and how, how they managed the game. Because um, they are only human after all and they did a really good job. So, um, yes, big round of applause for the referees. So, but yeah... Um, I don't. I don't really have much to say about the Hungary game against Wales because I think Hungary played pretty damn well and deserved the win. I think the the interesting one is the Wales Scotland game because that was kind of crazy to watch. Yeah, and I like I can't remember if we talked about it on the in the the men's game because I, I think the men's also played Scotland as well at some point in Wales Scotland played I think in the men's as well. I can't remember, but I think we discussed like. Wales were up for that game against Scotland. They wanted that win. And it wasn't just a case of they wanted it because they needed it. They wanted it. They really wanted to beat Scotland. They had eyed up Scotland. They were the team that they wanted to beat. And they fully went for it. Um, 
And to be fair, they, yeah, they got the win. Like Scotland just didn't, you know, didn't really rise to the occasion, but didn't really matter because Scotland came out on top anyway. But that's the thing. Like ultimately, they didn't rise to the occasion there, but they rose to the occasion in the matches where it ultimately was the the matches that mattered more. Um, so fair play, Scotland. And Scotland, like, it's a very close match. It's a fourteen sixteen scoreline. So as far as like losses go, there's literally no closer match. Um, but it's um. Yeah, interesting that they lost that. I think that Scotland mixed team was so interesting to watch. I thought they were just a, a really, really strong unit in pretty much every match other than that Wales match. The Wales match, I wonder if it's just an element of like you're playing against a team that just knows you very well. And then, you know, the players have all played each other for ages. A lot of them play in the same leagues. And it's just kind of like, it's it's it makes an interesting match when you've got players that know each other that well. Whereas normally at Euros, you don't have that level of knowledge about your opponents. It's not the same as as like national league, um, but yeah, Scotland Scotland losing by only two sets against Austria is pretty damn impressive considering the, the quality yeah. of the Austrian yeah. mixed team. Um, and then yeah, beating Hungary quite comfortably, which is not something that Scotland could do as easily last year, is is quite good for them as well. So um, yeah, fair play to Scotland; they they did very well. Um, and yeah, yeah, fair play to Hungary for managing to get a, a win over Wales. That's a uh, kind of what I was saying in, in the, the women's episode where it just feels as if sometimes Wales is a bit too um, a bit too variable in their results and it's very it's tricky to watch because you know that they could get a really impressive they could have they could have easily slotted into second in this group um, and it, it just sort of feels as if sometimes there's a little bit too much um, individualism or chaos or something like that that's happening on that team that makes it hard to watch because you know that they it's not necessarily that they deserve to be higher, but they could be higher. It could. Yeah, it's yeah. within grasp. It's so close to their grasp, um, and it just feels as if something's not quite clicked sometimes. And it, when it does click, then it's great. But it doesn't feel as if they know how to make it click. It doesn't seem like they're they're aware of what the difference is between when they lose and when they win. And I couldn't tell you right now because I haven't watched back all their games. But I'd imagine you could work it out pretty easily. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what some of their opposition has done. Yeah, I think what we talked about before was like the energy of that team. Like Wales are a very like high and low type team. They they ride the highs and boy do they sink to their lows um when things are bad. Um which, you know, is a blessing and a curse. It means that you get the games where they're really good against Scotland. Like, even against Austria, if I remember correctly, was it this game where Wales against Austria was really close at half time, but then Austria just blew blew away? Like it was one of the first games of the, the tournament. And like, yeah. Basically, Wales really took it to Austria to begin with. I think they were down like eight, six, eight, four at half time. But then, yeah, Austria just 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 ran away with it as Austria do. But um, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, Wales. Um, but yeah, fair play to Scotland. It'll be interesting to see how long this lasts with Scotland as well, because we know their their women's have having a bit of a reform. Wonder how long uh, the Scotland mixed team can hold out for. Um, but it's really just saying before, as long as you've got three or four good players, then you're you're safe and sound in mix. And I think Scotland do have three or four very good players in their their women's team. Yeah, I think it, you know, I, th- I don't think that that's the issue in their women's team. I think the issue is that there's a a bit of a drop, and then there's just so many um, new players, and it's just a matter of getting the hang of each other, and it just didn't completely stall their development, but it slowed it down compared to other teams. You know. Yep. And just a, a shout out again to Serbia and Norway, uh, first time in the competition. Serbia especially, like there were some players that had never played dodgeball before that were like played for like two weeks that were playing. Um, and by the end of it, you definitely saw, especially on the women's side, there were two, two of their women's players that definitely picked up the 
some of the tactics pretty quickly um, and were very aware of how they were meant to be covering players and especially some of their catching was uh, as I think as you do when you're inexperienced you just end up with some like you know some catches that you make that you should have had no right to get but you just make them because you have you don't know any better you don't know to leave them so um yeah some re some really impressive play there so definitely some hope for serbia to come and uh yeah we'll be looking forward to see what happens there and uh, same same with norway um you know we spoke about the men's and women's before but uh yeah definitely definitely an organized group of people and definitely an organized team we'll uh see how they continue to grow and see what the necs hold but yeah, any other thoughts before we go on to uh the playoffs no, cover it off. <clears throat> so, mixed prediction results. So again, for our audio listeners, um, what you'll uh, what you will hear um, is we'll break down each call quarter final. Um, but for our video listeners uh, or watchers, you can see that um, we've broken down which uh, which teams were in the we predicted to finish in the group, um, and then what quarter final they will be in, and then. Who won out of it? So, for example, the, the first quarter final, we all predicted Italy to uh, finish top of Group A, and we were wrong. wrong. We all predicted Sweden to finish uh, second in uh, Group B, and, and we were all wrong. Um, we're so <laughs> And uh, Croatia and Sweden, um, yeah, Croatia and uh, Sweden were the ones that, that finished top of A and second in. And Sweden, Sweden, Spain. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get a call. You got this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, this ended up being a really interesting one because these were two teams that I guess we didn't expect to to necessarily do as well as they did, and they both put out their like really strong teams. And um, yeah, here we are. Um, you know, Spain, Spain winning it. You looked at that quarterfinal and it was on paper one of the more interesting quarterfinals. I'd say like the, the England-Scotland game and the Spain-Croatia game were the two quarterfinals I was most excited about in this. Um, but equally, I had this, I remember like I was looking at it, I was like, it's a very weird sensation looking at it because all of the other quarterfinals, you're like, ah, yes, these are the these are the teams we expect to see in the quarterfinals and, and one of these will progress to the semifinals and that seems normal and standard. You looked at Croatia versus Spain and you're staring at that match going, one of those teams is guaranteed to come fourth at worst. <laughs> That's an insane thought to have looking at that yeah, when you're looking at all the other things, right? And so it's, it's a fantastic match in itself and I'm very glad that they were paired off against each other because it made for mm. a really close match, a really interesting match to watch. Um, but it, it was just this bizarre little thing in your mind where you're just like, oh my God, one of these teams is, has to come fourth at worst. Um and that's that's essentially what they're playing for. Is I don't think either team was expecting to to come third or first or second, but um, they're playing for the chance to to get that insanely good position compared to where they've ever come before. Um, and and what a what a great course final that was to set up. Like that's such a a close fought match between them. And what a great third fourth playoff it ended up being as well. Like yeah, um, they you know they fully earned their position there. Like Spain really showed um you know their ability and how much they'd taken everyone by surprise and i don't think it was people definitely uh you know underestimated them at all uh you know they were just good they were a solid team um and they were playing really well so yeah fully fully deserved spain and really really well played i don't really have any highlights to to show from that game because it was just i think spain were just 
very tactically sound, very good in their decision making, and they've also got some star players that can do outrageously crazy catches and um, dodges, which is just, you know, really helps. <laughs> they've just put a lot of effort into their mix side over the last few years. Like I said before, is there a chance that maybe they decided to put all their best players into mix when they saw the draw? Yeah, but I think when you look at the development they've had, as a team, if you look at the way that they perform, because they, they sent the national team to the Paris Open each year, right? The the UD Open. So, like, that's that's an interesting thing in itself to send a national team to a, a club open. Um, there's no rules against it. But that that's a really interesting insight that you get to have because you get to see the mixed Spanish team um, ahead of time. And the way that they've developed in that competition has been really, really impressive over time. Like, the first time they showed up there, you could honestly just look at it and be like, the men are good, the women out. Oh, would be good if they were in a women's game, but they no one's giving them any, uh, no one's kind of backing them up. Their their men kind of treated them as if they weren't there, um, and that's always a sign of a pretty poor mixed team. Is when the the women are just sort of placeholders, and once all the men are out, then then the mixed team is screwed essentially. And that's where Spain started. And within a year of being in that position, they got to the point where they were just this very very unified squad where everyone was doing something, and it didn't feel as if anyone was just standing around waiting to be told what to do. Like they all know why they're there. They're all they all have a purpose, and it doesn't matter that they're a man or a woman on court. They're there to play dodgeball, um, and that's that's the best way of playing mixed. That's the most interesting way of playing mixed. Um, so kudos to them for kind of noticing that difference in their playing style and for practicing it. Like that's the thing they get to practice that mixed team. I think mixed teams get treated as if they're like an afterthought in some nations, and so for for them to actually take the effort to send their mixed team to you know among other teams to to the sort of club opens is a really good sign because that means they're they're not just focusing on sending their men there and their women there they're also like okay the mix are important let's let's train the mix um so it's a huge huge development step for them and it's massively earned yeah i mean i so hungary also go to as the budapest pirates they go to quite a few of these openers yeah. as well so i think yeah there are there, other teams that are learning from this is the thing Pardon? it's a good opportunity yeah uh yeah so but yeah um I did have a point about Spain. Oh, yeah. So um, I was going to say that the use of the, the the women in their team, it seemed a bit different to how, I guess, say the British teams use um, the women in the team where it's very much more, um, you know, everyone does have a role and they do have a part to play. Um, but in, I say in English teams or British teams, it's a bit more you're relied on for catching and bringing players back in. Um, and these players are incredibly good catchers and, you know, you know that's, that's why they're there, um, but maybe less so for using their arms and, and the men are heavy throws. It's the same with like Austria. Austria still use their men quite a lot with their throws, but they're more willing to um, you know, interchange with other women because their women's throws are also ridiculously insane. Um, and basically, you know, it's when you look at Austria, they quite often have, you know, a, you know, a man or a woman as they're one of the last players because it doesn't matter who you get out because they are that good all the way around that, um, you know, it's it's really difficult to say, oh, we should target this first first person first and, you know, get easy outs or whatever. Whereas usually, you know, the the women are end up being last in. For the Austrians, it's not like that. With this, Spanish were definitely using their women a lot more as, like, sort of countering and cover players. They were very much more... I. I'd almost say the tactical mind of the team. They were the ones that were really watching over what was going on, who needed support on the wings, like, uh, you know, who was staying up a little bit too long up court and needed the cover. 
um, and also telling other men to pick up the ball and get their ass up court and get a player because they're either putting pressure on and they don't and they need to get rid of the pressure and you know release the ball quickly and they did that a few times where they were just releasing a ball really quickly because they saw they were under pressure and getting a hit off it um and it was really good to see and um yeah it was i'd say quite a unique way of seeing mixed play but it worked damn well um so yeah just you know good to see that like you say that they're, they're fully integrating their entire team to be fully used um and it was good to see, yeah, the entire, the entire club um, behind it. On to the next one. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so we all predicted England to top Group C, and I got it wrong. I said Wales were gonna go second in Group D, but Scotland. What, what, was, what was the first part of that sentence again? Repeat that. Uh, one. You want to be quiet there, Nick? I, I, I picked it up. I might got it wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um oh god i felt a bit ill saying that um <laughs> in my defense wales still beat scotland <laughs> um but yeah no scotland got through um and oh my god what a mixed game this was spicy spicy sudden I'm death sure we have to talk about. <laughs> all of it right I, I can, we are I, I can, independent i can, uh, I can do it yeah in, in, independent you guys, uh, you media guys. <laughs> Um, so yeah, context to this, this went to sudden death, um, which I did wonder, like, how do we record sudden death matches? Like, cause you know, like in penalties, you say like, oh, the score was like three all. And then, um, you know, you, sh- you probably show put an asterisk beside it. Like, do you, yeah. Like, how do you show, oh yeah, this was a overtime set that then went into sudden death. I don't know, but it did go to I'd, sudden I'd, death. I'd, I would, I would have like an OT in the top right. And then if it was a sudden death and like an asterisk beside the OT. You should have like a, a little bracket of the player who got the final hit or catch. A little, just a little face. <laughs> just, just, just a little face on the middle on the middle of the flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no. Um, of course, Scotland played so well in that game. Um, oh, incredibly, incredibly well. Amazing. I think they, they, they did really, really well. Like before going on to any of the analysis of how Scotland did after this game, it's worth noting that some of their players were quite injured after this game and took it a lot easier and rested themselves as a result. So this was really kind of the pinnacle of where Scotland got to um, and then sort of the, the wears and tears of Euros got to them. But my God, what a what a high it was. I think... Tactically, they hit the nail on the head for the majority of that game, and it was very much uh, essentially six one v one battles that was that was going on um, in in each set. It was it was really entertaining to watch. Um, from the England side in particular, Steve had an incredible game. That Steve. man could not miss. I loved. I loved how uh, in, the, in the England games, whenever Steve made a hit, and you could hear the Steve, the commentators had to clarify that nobody was booing. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a Steve chat. <laughs> that was incredible. Um, no, Steve, uh, from the women, I really want to shout out. I, I gave them a shout out in the women's. I'm giving them a shout out here. Abby and Alice were phenomenal um, in this game in particular. Um, it got to a point where Scotland started trying to target them. And they were just soaking up all the pressure, for never going out for for silly mistakes or poor dodging, and that that helped England a lot because they needed the ball possession. 
because whenever Scotland was taking control of the ball possession, um, they were doing really well with it. Um, and they were just, they're, 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 the targeting was really, really smart for the majority of that game from the Scotland side. Um, and that played a big part. Um, then you had England who, you know, Ta- Tamas was unhittable. Um, and the rest <laughs> of the squad were legitimately unhittable. Um, and that's, I've, never, that was I've the... never seen a video like spread as quickly as that video did. And if you don't, if, if, you don't o- if only that was the only one of Tamas that <laughs> got sent around, <laughs> wasn't just, even yeah. his only strike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I, I've, I honestly devastated for Scotland that that was what the, the difference maker was in the end, really. Um, especially that was that was in the last set, right? Or was yeah. it that second last yeah, set? Yeah, yeah, no, it was the last set. Last set. Um, yeah, that's you hate to see it. It, it was. It was genuinely heartbreaking. Um, you know, you can say it was a poor refereeing decision, but at the end of the day, in my in my in my opinion, um, he, there's no way he couldn't have felt that. But you know, I let. I'll let um, but yeah, I think there's too many things for a referee to see in that because it was a pre-throw, I believe. That... It was crazy. The, the, they did the smart thing because they were discussing about. Um, I think it was Lauren threw um, a late ball at the Scotland at Cam. I think it was. Um, and that was what the referees initially was called in for was to decide whether she threw too late to be called out, and they made arguably the right decision in calling her out. And then Thomas is dead on court, and I was just sat there going, "What have I just seen?" <laughs> it was it was insane. I, I'll be honest, like I, like because being there, the the absolute crowd that game drew was awesome because it was so far behind everyone yeah. else and holding at the schedule. Um, like just watching it from a spectator point of view, I didn't see it until that that video was shown around. So, like in person, I can totally forgive the referees um, because there's so much going on. Um, oh yeah, they, they, they definitely there was other stuff to look at. Um, especially I don't think anyone referees in it no no, <laughs> no, no, no but no. like especially like the the, fl- the flurry in that game the amount of like pre-throws both teams were throwing at each other yeah which meant that there were multiple balls in the air at the time and going in different directions just made it yeah so hard to track but yeah it was um oh, yeah i also, I also don't want i don't want that moment to take away from the fact that the rest of the england squad and the, all of the scotland squad were absolutely incredible in that game like that that shows you what mix can mix can do whenever you have two two high quality teams going at each other. It was yeah. it was incredible watch. Incredible really watch. Really good game. Really good game. And if you want to try and teach people how they need, how they should be playing mixed and the different roles that the men and women play throughout it, that and the finals are the two matches that you could learn a lot from. Yeah, the final and the um third, fourth playoff I would say as well. I haven't seen that, so <laughs> uh, yeah. Just be just because just to see how Spain played. I think like um, yeah, we'll we'll get onto that one later. But yeah, um, so, I, yeah I'd also recommend that. that one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, Re- yeah, really tough, really tough game. The only real close game in the in the quarterfinals, and my god, was it close? Um, so yeah, definitely recommend. Add that to your shopping list of uh, dodgeball matches to watch. Um, the England Scotland quarterfinal in the mixed very very good game yeah it's not it's not like watch lists exist or anything you know that you could you could call it (laughs) 
mate, I, I'm not that tech savvy. I just would click the record button every so often. Not even reliably. Um, I was going to say, I wouldn't claim that you hit the record button today, mate. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on to the next quarterfinal, uh, the one which none of us could see what was happening in Group A, because, um, <laughs> like you say, Croatia screwed everyone over. Um, that um, So, yeah. Uh, Zoe and I predicted Switzerland to go through in second and Colin predicted Ireland and we were all wrong because Italy was second place. Uh, I was closer. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I call a flag. Listen, I finished bottom of the predictions. I need to cling on to everything. <laughs> I can't, okay. <laughs> give, me, give me this one. <laughs> you, you can get the uh, well done for being nearly relevant award for this, this one. <laughs> um, and then all of us saw Northern Ireland finish, uh, finishing top of Group B. Uh, group B. Uh, but then, yeah, um, Italy v Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, yeah, dealt with Italy quite handily, which did surprise me because even though on paper, having seen the two teams, I don't think Northern Ireland were a million miles ahead of Italy um, with some of the talent Italy had. It was just a case Northern Ireland were a better unit and they were just a better team overall, I think. And that really showed in this game, which is kind of disappointing for Italy because they definitely had the talent to get have this game be a lot closer than it was. Yeah, that's 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 fair. But I would I would say that overall I would have put NI comfortably ahead of Italy, but I I wouldn't have Great. seen them winning by 20 points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah, that's yes. I'd say that like pound for pound the Northern Ireland players are, are better players than the that Italian squad and um, a lot more disciplined. Yeah. A lot more disciplined. And a lot of the experience in that team, a lot of very good dodgeballs, but also very good teamwork in that team. So, like, yeah. in pretty much every metric, I would have said that Northern Ireland were better. I wouldn't say that they were 24-4 better. Um, so that's, that's quite an impressive score for them. Where I think NI excel in the mixed area compared to other... Um, yeah, well, England would be the main comparison, is that you can tell a lot of their women play in the, well, alongside the men in the men's league. And it really shows, and they're not afraid to step up and do um, similar roles to a lot of the the men that you would expect from in other nations. Um, and it's definitely a, a really good weapon to have in their arsenal um, going into games. Um, and it's it's the reason why they do so well against the bigger nations as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't really have much else to. Yeah, check you against Austria because all of us thought France were going to get through, and boy, were we wrong. Um, So yeah, that pesky fifth place team coming through into another quarterfinals and um, playing off against Austria. Yeah, Austria doing Austria things. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so difficult because they are so such such a good team, Austria. yeah, I I'm kind of speechless on that. I don't really have much to say. It's it is a tough yeah. one. There is quite a gulf. Yeah, it, it, it was it was just a go. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say what Czechia do after their quarterfinals in each of the groups is much more interesting than their quarterfinals themselves. Like this is, they they had a hard draw um, when it came to what they had in the quarterfinals, and there's an argument that could be made that at least in one of the groups they should have been able to get out of the quarterfinals uh, if they just had a better draw but they don't so this is what they end up with and they, they made the best out of a bad situation you can't you literally cannot do better than fifth if you fail your quarterfinals so 
they, they quite literally did the best they could out of the situation they had in all those groups. And that, that tells you something about how good that Czech team is. You know, that's that's the best loser out of those quarterfinalists. Um, so that's, that's a pretty impressive thing to say. But at the same time, the best loser of the of the quarterfinals is losing by a pretty substantial margin to Austria. That's that's what happens when you end up against the the champions. <laughs> like it, it just sucks. That's how it, that's that's all you can get. That's all that happens. You I think it shows. I think it shows how difficult mixed is predict because of how different nations treat mixed. Like it's gonna, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's where we're at in in dodgeball throughout Europe at the moment, where it's, it really depends on who who you've got available in your team and how uh, or in your nation and how 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 you want to play it. Do you want to have the best players in both? Do you want to have a certain squad for each? You know that different teams uh, and nations do it differently. Um, you know, we were the worst at predict predicting it mixed um, out of out of the three rounds. Uh, you know, I didn't even get over fifty percent. A coin had better luck than I did at predicting. Um, <laughs> so you know that kind of shows you how bad, um, yeah, you know how difficult how difficult it is. And um, yeah, the gulf between I say England and Austria and the rest is is quite large. Um, although Northern Ireland really were close in that in that semi-final against Austria and we you know we thought that Northern Ireland were going to do better um, that was it was a good game but man Australia yeah, they handled them pretty pretty yeah, I, well yeah I, I do think I do think NA had their chances that they didn't take um, in a couple of the sets um, I think there was two or three where they were semi-comfortably up and and kind of threw it away um, it didn't it didn't click as it usually does for them in that game again you could you could also say it comes down to austria's play style like it's it's very difficult to play that really like steady game whenever you're coming against a, a very aggressive team and um, that's where you just have to you know show your experience and and hold your own on court and Austria just showed they're they're extremely good team and they're always going to be very very tough to beat yeah no, de yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other court, the other semi final was England Spain. Uh, yeah, unless you, did you have anything to say about that, Zoe? That semi final. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty much expected. Um, I, I, I'd say I expected it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't expect it. But <laughs> yeah, Northern Ireland was so good last year. I think that's the thing is they they played so well, um, and I didn't expect the Austrian men to do as well as they did in the mixed. Um, because I think the women would be fine, but it was just, yeah, the, the men going up against the the men of Northern Ireland are incredible. Like, the the, the Northern Irish men are just out, out of this world crazy good. So I, I wasn't expecting them to, to be able to do it as well, but I think, yeah, the overall team mechanics of Austria just, showed, like, you know, really picked Northern Ireland apart and picked on their weak points. And yeah, like yeah, you said, when fair. when Northern Ireland made a mistake, they made a mistake and they couldn't capitalise where, and Austria did, just you know, clinical Austria. Yeah, but the other fair. the other the other semi final, Spain v England. I don't think anyone could have seen that one coming. Um, <laughs> um, this was almost like directly after, like it was. I think it was very shortly after the uh, England Scotland semi final uh, quarter final. Like it felt. Like, I think it was only like two or three games after. It was very quick. 
um, mm. in in uh, on court four. I didn't get to see this because I was watching the Austria Northern Ireland game, but um, yeah, looks like England kind of handled it. Definitely didn't underestimate Spain and just properly, you know, went. We've got a semi final to win, yeah. rightly so. As you should. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I I think that's a massive credit to Spain that. Uh, England acted that way because it shows that um, you know that's that's they'd surprised so many people and took advantage of it. But when it came to it, they you know the best teams had to put out their best squad to deal with them. Yeah, no, exactly. They're treated like a proper competitor, which is what they are. They're in the semi-final, so fair dues. Yeah, Fairness. you can tell. You can tell we're getting tired. <laughs> so, tired. so so tired at half <laughs> half ten. No, by no means the latest we've ever recorded an episode, but yeah, so much content. Um, on to the final then, because I'm sure this will peak up the energies because there's a lot to talk about in this game. The England-Austria uh, mixed final and how that went down into a sudden death. <sighs> overtime, so overtime set, then sudden death. That was kind of ridiculous. Um, again, uh, Alice to thank for England even being in the overtime set because I'm pretty sure it was an Alice catch which brought them back level to uh, <laughs> to make an overtime set possible. Um, and then there, that was one of the cagiest overtime sets I've seen. To be honest, it was so there were there were quite a few outs because it ended up being a um, when it came to um, sudden death, it was a two v two. I can't remember. It was Alice and Charlotte for England. Charlotte Josiah, um, and who was who was in for? Austria? Was it Lightyear? No, it was. No, it was. I don't think it wasn't. It was. Uh, wasn't it Max? Was it Max? I can't for the life of me. I know his face, but I don't know his name. I'm literally. I'm picturing it in my mind. And I can't like read what the back of his shirt says. I can't. That's I can't. That's so bad. Are you pulling up the game? <laughs> I am. I'm pulling up the game right now. Um, you can cut this bit. <laughs> <laughs> and after that amazing edit, after we uh, just uh, figure out what else was going on. So the overtime set, it was... Um, so it was Abby Gower, Alice Bonsignori, and Charlotte Josiah that were left for England. And then um, Decker... Alice and Charlotte. Yeah, that's what I said, didn't I? You said yeah, it was, a, it was a it was a three yeah, v three, two. Three, three, so three. England had three v two. Oh, right, right. Again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's doing right before the sudden death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, what okay. causes this to stop? Yeah, so um, cool. You were having panic in there. I was like, am I really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, then it was De- uh, Decker and Grill for Austria that were left. Decker gets a hit on Abby just before time goes, and then it goes straight into sudden death. Um, yeah, and then um, yeah, overtime set. Very. Um... It's so. It's amazing to see a final come down to a, a sudden death. Like that's that's just incredible. That's definitely the first time that's happened. Like that's that's amazing. We've had overtime sets before. We had that last year, but an, mm. an actual sudden death is like, whoo. 
Yeah, like, it's, it's proper squeaky bomb time. Like. <laughs> but it is, but it's also like, it's ridiculously hard to process what's just happened. Like, you go from, you just poured yourself back into the match because you managed to draw up. Okay, overtime set. You don't have any time to prepare yourself because it's straight into overtime set. You maybe get a, yeah. a little brief from the, the, the referees to say, this is what is happening and this is, what, this is how it will play. Because as soon as you're into overtime set and the three, uh, three minutes expire, if the teams are even it immediately goes to sudden death. There is no, like, right, teams line up, teams ready or anything after that. You've got to immediately go from, okay, we're playing to win this set to we need to hit someone and not get hit. Like, it's such a change of mentality in such a short space of time. Like, it was, like, from an audience perspective being there, like, understanding what was going on, it was really, like, kind of, like, you only just had enough time to process, oh my God, okay, right, now we're playing for sudden death. This is what's happening. This is why they're taking the time. I can't imagine what it would have been like on the court to be like, oh God, gold medal on the line here to be the best in Europe. We've just 2v2, we need to get hit. It's, like, it's so yeah. rare. I've only ever personally played in one sudden death and it was in my first year of dodgeball and it still haunts me as a concept like it was <laughs> and that was in three ball like that's nothing nothing's going on it was three ball in some little open at some point in the uk it's not like it wasn't important i can't imagine the amount of stress that you're under playing <laughs> the you, don't, you, don't, you don't even you don't even really get the chance to be stressed do you like no, it's your, your adrenaline's like surely spiked at its highest level and you can't even take into account what's what's happening. You're just literally like right next throw. And it's not something you really train ever because it's so infrequent that it happens. And it's interesting because it changes the the way that you can play that game is completely different. You can't do trades, as it were. Yeah, you can't. Well, like, that's... Uh, well, that's unless you're Decker. Right? <laughs> like, if you're going to go for a trade, you have to be so sure that your ball is going to hit them first. Whereas normally in a situation, as long as you both release at the same time, fine as long as you release before the ball hits you it's fine but in this situation it's not fine it really matters the order of hits so that yeah. is the the setup of it but that's not something you train you don't what, train what? To see who hits first and trade no where i think decker was really smart was that he knew he's gonna have a quicker release than alice and he just played the aggressive game there with a pre-throw duck into it while going for the trade which which is exactly um, what alice did too like they both did the same move no but he other. but yeah, yeah yeah but he knew he'd be quicker at doing yeah. it yeah 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 that's 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 where it that's like he just knew his release was going to be quicker um ballsy ballsy move but it, I, I i really back it i really like back the the thought process behind it right. in, in that split second um and i think alice as she's throwing as well the ball goes over him too yeah, yeah, I think she slightly skies it because I think she sees what's she, coming. She, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But and he, he's trying he, to compensate for it. But yeah, he says she went for committed. an aggressive free throw, right? But yeah. um, he, he done everything right there, and he yeah. didn't. And because he like ducked down into it, he was like, "Right, there's a good chance that this is going to go over me." As she reacts to it, like it was, it was a very smart play, very smart play. And um, I just want to give a huge shout out to Alice because. To have been the one to take the hit in the sudden death, to then go on to play an integral part in the women's final straight afterwards was extremely impressive. Like, there's a lot of players out there that after that moment wouldn't have been able to pull it together to go into a final straight afterwards as well. 
So I do want to give a massive shout out to her because I was I was very impressive today. Oh yeah, and, and the fact that they were even in the situation where they could have won it in the first place is down to Alice as yeah. well. Like they, those catches in the the final set before overtime, like you know, it, it, there there is a reason they got there, and it, yeah, it's heartbreaking that she, she was the one that got hit in the uh, sudden death, but. Um, that's less of a note on Alice and more of a point on Decker, which I think is probably been overlooked slightly is how impressive that decision-making was from Decker. Um, yeah, huge. And I I want to say it probably says something about how, the way that Austrians play like, and how confident they are in, in, in their training in those situations. Uh, being more sort of like player for player, man on man, this is how we're going to to win this one because he knows in that situation he's just got to get one hit if it was like it was before where if it was 2v2 and they've just got to you know win the set by one I don't think he would have taken that risk because if he'd have got hit and then it was a 1v1 then you're you're leaving it in a 1v1 scenario and I think finding the right situation for him to then and and grill to pick on either Alice or Charlotte to get that 2v1 scenario is more the way that they would have played but in an overtime set to and sudden death to like notice that and know that's what they need to do and how they could win it um yeah just massive massive credit to them and 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 the way that Austria play yeah and, and another person I want to give a big shout out to was again Steve during that entire game was incredible especially in the early stages like even so for the for context in the final the Austrian coaches were were mic'd up when I was coming through the stream and I'm pretty sure every like team talk throughout it was like to get rid of Steve as soon as possible like he was causing them so many problems his throw-in was just perfect like it was so so good and they were just having to try and look for any opportunity where steve was a bit vulnerable um and that that's it, it almost cost austria being that like tunnel visioned on steve at times because um, he was surviving it like he was just like come at me <laughs> he was so confident i haven't seen him play that well in so long um it was really nice it was really good to see um whenever austria kind of went right well We'll just wait for him to be, you know, up court without a ball, or you know, try and catch him with uh, two, two to three ball attacks, and that's whenever they started to come back into it um, and stop being so tunnel visioned. Um, but it, it it made for such an exciting final. It's definitely definitely a great watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Closest final seen in a while, and it me it meant that um, I mean it was the first it was the first final we watched. Um, but it meant that um, every uh, format mixed women's and men's had a different winner, which was insane. Like it's the first time I think mental. we've ever seen that. Yeah, mental, crazy. Um, really good for the sport. Yeah. Um, Not good for my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Travel again, please, to make it more predictable. <laughs> It's so funny because we were talking about in the in the in the predictions episode, like we were saying how, like we, we saw England or Zoe and I saw England winning one. We saw them winning one, and mixed was the thing that we thought they would see them in. We didn't see them uh, doing it in men's. We didn't see them getting to the final, which we were correct. We didn't think they would do it in the women's. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Zoe? 
we did do the predictions without team sheets to be fair yeah that, that is yeah. true that is true but yeah um didn't necessarily see them predict uh doing it in the in the women's um and we thought you know mix was where they're going to do it and they were so close they were so close but yeah fair play to austria really really impressive well deserved very well deserved very well deserved but on to the overall mixed results, um, which were some mixed results. Hey, hey. Um, Can that... we change it to co-ed? Is it too late? <laughs> I am not adopting Americanisms. Um, Says the guy that brought it up. <laughs> I, no, I was trying to say it so it would help other people who's listening. I'm not adopting it. There's a very big difference. <laughs> It's facilitating, and then it's just the changing. It's the start. It's the start. Yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> Slippery slope argument. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, I just yeah briefly touch on that third fourth playoff. I know Northern Ireland had rotated a few players for the start of that match um, because they were pre- preparing for their men's final, um, but they did have to bring out you know a lot of their their main players to see off Spain. And get that victory in the end, um, because Spain really like, you know, we say Northern Ireland's second tier. It's not really a second tier. They're still really good, um, yeah. but Spain were very much going toe to toe them in the same way that Hungary women were going against uh, England's seconds women's um, pretty pretty well. Spain were really taking it to Northern Ireland and really making Northern Ireland work for it. But yeah, yeah. No, it was good to see. It's a really interesting table. There's a lot of nations down there that I'm like, I'm amazed that they they did, they got where they got, like the, that they didn't do any better. And then you look higher up, and it's just it's such a yeah, it's such a fascinating modelled up table. It's really that's good to see in a lot of ways. You want you want to see that. You want to see something unpredictable happen. And I think mixed definitely gave us unpredictability. I think that's a, the one thing that you can say about mixed this year. Yep, love seeing Croatia there at eighth. Um right like how so good crazy yeah Croatia at 8th Wales down in 13th Netherlands in 14th and France in 12th that's a well I mean you know even Switzerland being down in 15th like the men did really well the women did pretty well like you know it's um, yeah Serbia and Norway are new um, and you know Belgium are still finding their feet but yeah like that is one Hell of a muddled up table. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good category. I know Hungary as well. Like, I feel like they, you know, they they got through to that ninth, tenth playoff. Um, not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, losing to losing to Sweden in the end, but they did they did beat France to get there, which I can't be again underappreciated how. Like I, I know there have been different discussions on Hungary and different takes on them, but I do genuinely think the like the steps that they've gone in general, um, the ability, the way that they've taken dodgeball so seriously, they are really training hard to to get better, and you can see it in their attitude, um, is it is really great, and the results are starting to come through. Um, that Hungary France game was a really interesting one to watch. Um, for for a multitude of reasons, I would say go watch it um, and and assess for yourself how you feel like it went. Because yeah, it was a really interesting game, like both tactically and ability wise on how certain players were playing. Um, 
And I think, I, if I were to be brutally honest, Hungary deserved to win that game by more. Um, that that score shines kindly on France, in my opinion. Hungary were outstanding in that game and deserved a better result. Um, and yeah, just a shame that they didn't have enough to beat Sweden in the end. But again, we know Sweden are a class outfit. So, um, you know, the fact that Sweden didn't get to go into the top eight, they really showed that they, you know, if they hadn't have been surprised by certain teams, probably deserved to be and, and really could have could have uh, been up there in the table. Hungary coming 10th is, is such a good sign for that country because they've never really, they've never entered a mixed team before. And even at a club level, like you mentioned before, like they do have clubs that compete internationally, but they don't send mixed teams to those events. Um, so mixed dodgeball in Hungary is a very new concept and it's, it's still kind of finding its feet. And I think to have them do this well, to do better than their, their women's, I can't remember how their men did, but you know, do, do this well in the tournament and mixed is a really good sign. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the sort of structure that you can have as a team that's developing or a nation that's developing dodgeball, where you can really thrive in mixed in a way that is a little bit, takes a little bit more time to do in women's and men's. Um, Hungary has the right setup for that. Like Hungary has a handful of very good men and women uh, in both their teams. And so that could create an incredibly good mixed team if they put the time in to like train it and, and really develop that side of their game. I think that they were potentially let down by not training enough as a squad. I think occasionally you could see that they weren't playing that fluidly um, as men and women. Um, but you know, they were sort of split. The men were doing this, the women were doing that instead of playing as mixed players. Um, and I think that's something that like, if they actually sort of sat down and, and recognized the, the weight of the achievement that they had this Euros in mixed and how close it could have been, how much, how they could have done really well. Um, that's something that they could really focus on in future years and, and it would be really good to see and I think they could actually do very well in the format. Um, so fair play to them. Yeah, definitely. I think another note on Czechia. Yeah, okay. They yeah, they came fifth. Yep, we, we, we established <laughs> that. Um, I think I think it's going to make for a fascinating CEC. Um, seeing how Italy have done, uh, seeing how Czechia have been so consistently where they are, you know, um, in fifth in all their groups, or all the all the divisions, and um, you know that's including having to deal with the likes of Northern Ireland, England, um, and and Austria. Like I think that that in CEC is going to be really fascinating because you've got Italy and Austria are going to be playing there as well. That those top spaces are going to be really really hard for, and we know how Czechia did or the Czechia men's team did in the Austrian National League as well. So it's definitely. Yeah, it, I think that the CEC could be really interesting. And Switzerland also causing mayhem in the men's. Um, yeah. Nearly in the women's as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the regionals are going to be very interesting. I think CEC is well established and we, we, you know, we kind of know the teams that are there. But I think it's going to be a very, very competitive CEC. And I think the NEC and WC are going to be slightly different. It's going to be some new teams trying out some new players. Um, but yeah, I am very curious to see how the first teams of each C of the CEC do because I know historically Austria's ones and twos have dominated it quite quite a lot. I don't think that would be the case anymore. <laughs> I don't think it'll be the case. I think it'll be really interesting as well because it's the only regionals next year that's happening after World Champs. And mm. my prediction now for World Champs, outside of like any nation you know ratings or anything like that, is just that like. A lot of players will probably retire after world champs it's a it's a good opportunity to retire it's a home 
well, for the Austrian players, it's a home uh, world champs, but for Europeans in general, it's world champs right here in Europe. So you might as well kind of take that opportunity. There's a lot of players who are kind of coming up to that age where they might retire this year, they might retire next year, they might retire in a year after that. And so it's whether or not you're holding out for the Island Euros as your last competition or whether you want to end on a world champs. And I think that will, some players will do one, some players will do the other. Um, so you could very easily see CECs next year as the first rebuilding event for a lot of those nations that might have several outgoing players. In particular, Austria, I reckon, will have quite a lot of outgoing players because it's their home uh, world champs. And so CECs will be the first chance to really see the next generation of Austria coming through. Um, and so that kind of combination of a, it's not necessarily a weaker Austria, but a very different Austria to what we've seen before playing against a Czechia that's been growing from strength to strength and Italy that's been growing from strength to strength, Switzerland as well, like that could really tighten the gap in between those nations and it could create a really, really interesting CEC. 100%. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, Croatia and, and that's Spain. Um, I think if I was a newspaper uh, writer, which I'm not because I can't write shit, um, if I was to write a headline, it would definitely be highlighting uh, Spain and Croatia just stunning everyone with with how well they played um, and how well organised they are. And um, like, yeah, for, from my perspective, I just really like how quickly these teams have fully taken on board and you know dedicated themselves to the sport on like you know what they need to do to to become better not just the oh how do we set ourselves up to grow or like you know set up a league it's like no no no. how do we go to euros and be damn competitive um and i absolutely love that i love that the mentality and i love to see it obviously really important to see that the the nation grows in dodgeball outside of just euros because to be sustainable you need that many uh new players coming in and you need those pathways but um yeah just seeing them coming in and like really you know showing off their capabilities as a nation like cannot wait to see what happens in the future for, for those teams um and what the mixed um tables look like going forward because i think it is a real wake-up call that mixed is a genuinely competitive league and uh, and division well said cool right i think that's it let's I think, wrap it up i think we're, we're all eurost out we've uh we've we've done four episodes now it's been a it's been a long time and uh thank you for being patient and waiting till december for for us to review <laughs> something that happened in october um well, thanks yeah, for we, listening as well <laughs> yeah um and you know watching that absolute disgrace of a graphic that had everything wrong on it um so I'll, I'll try and do better but i'll make no I'll, i won't make any promises um because anyone who watches the social media knows that i get something something a lot of things wrong but yeah anyway you've got content be appreciative by liking and subscribe subscribing um leave a comment let us know what you're enjoying what you're looking forward to in 2024 because that's just around the corner more dodgeball to come um for the home nations we will be covering um the english national league uh for men's and women's not quite sure how we're going to do the regionals but we'll figure it out uh, and we'll let you know, but uh, watch this space because more content coming soon. See you guys in the next one. Or go watch the other Euros podcasts. Do it.